Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Guys, wouldn't be nearly exciting without all the woes that come with them. Welcome into the Finsider Radio, where we'd love to be telling you that the Miami Dolphins are rolling into a matchup with the Jets on a six-game winning streak, but that just isn't the case. The Dolphins fall 20-13 to in Denver against the Broncos. Welcome into the Jake and Josh show. Josh, I think we got to kind of start it where we have to. I mean, you are Josh Houts. We know this is going to be a Tua Tungavaloa heavy conversation. So, so let's just dive right into it. Uh, beginning of the fourth quarter, the Miami Dolphins offense is really struggling to get anything going. Uh, the third quarter is actually the only quarter in the entire game. They're held scoreless. Coach Brian Flores, looking for a spark, takes Tua out of the game, puts in Ryan Fitzpatrick, leads him to a field goal, gives him an opportunity to score with about a minute left in the game, a little less than that. Uh, intercepting the end zone by Justin Simmons, who had an unbelievable game. He actually had an interception called back. Uh because of a holding penalty. But, Josh, what were your thoughts on the decision? At the end of the day, the Miami Dolphins had a shot to come out and win this football game. Yeah, and I'm. this is what's going to be talked about all week is the fact that Brian Flores benched his rookie quarterback for Ryan Fitzpatrick, and we did see the Dolphins had a chance there late. I mean, he continues to say it gave them a spark. He wanted this offense to have a spark. I mean, can anyone sit here and argue that that offense didn't look differently once Ryan Fitzpatrick came to the game? We know Denver was playing a little bit more prevent. They were playing off a little bit more. And to me, I mean, I, I didn't sit there and break down the numbers, but it looked like he had a lot more of those four wide receiver sets, and mm-hmm. things just looked more open to him. But how much of this had to do with, you know, that spark and just seeing Tua Tungavaloa pretty much get his ass kicked all day. He was sacked six times. This offensive line was in over, our, in over their head. We talked about that match between Chubb and Austin Jackson. Austin Jackson got beat like a drum. Tua didn't have – he had no time to throw. And when he did throw, I mean, early on in that game, we saw those balls sailing. I even mentioned that maybe it had something to do with the altitude in, in Denver. I'm not smart enough to know if that had anything to do with it. But but Tua just didn't look right from the beginning. It was definitely an up-and-down game. And, again, I'm never going to question Brian Flores because at the end of the day, he's our head coach. I would have much rather seen Tua Tungavailoa back against the wall, try to drive that team down, open that offense up and give him that opportunity because this is where these rookie quarterbacks – you know, where they learn, where they become those Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilsons. And, you know, take that next step. You're not going to do that playing on the sideline. And, but Tua did make those mistakes. So, again, uh, Brian Flores made the decision, and they did have a chance there late to tie the game. Yeah, I, I think we got to look at this 
in the sense of, you know, we're, we need to be okay with Flores benching Tua for the same reason he benched Fitzpatrick. Uh, this isn't strictly about learning. It's about winning football games. And, you know, it, it's it's kind of weird because, you know, in, in our pregame shows, we like to have a little fun. Uh, we, we severely discredited Vic Fangio and, and how great a defensive mind he is. And I'm not trying to just say that to make us feel better. I mean, we saw him put up a game plan that could frustrate a rookie quarterback uh, like there's no tomorrow. And that's why... What, what showed, you know, yesterday showed me isn't, you know, yes, I'm upset they lost and everything, but Brian Flores has such an incredible feel for the game. You know, we could sit here and say maybe Tua could have done something, but I mean, he had three plus quarters to show something and it just wasn't happening. And, and that's not, you know, oh, you know the, the season's over for him. He's going to no longer be the guy. Brian Flores has said he's going to be the starting quarterback next week against the Jets and hopefully it'll be a feel good week and they can get back on track. But I mean, this is kind of what we expect in a second season of a rebuild, the first year of a quarterback, it's nice when, you know, we have a five game winning streak and all of a sudden you're, you're thinking of playoffs, but there are going to still be those hiccups. And when Tua is faced against a defense that he just cannot get anything really going, you know, I thought it was awesome that Brian Flores was able to make the switch. I mean, that just shows such a great feel for the game. The great feel that that's kind of what you want in your head coach. Yes. You talk about, you know, the defense, you know, we hired Adam Gase because he was an offensive guru, but what Adam Gase didn't have, what Joe Philbin didn't have, was a feel for a football game. The usage of timeouts from Brian Flores has been incredible. I thought this just gave them an opportunity to win the football game. Yes, it didn't really work out. I mean, but to give you a shot, throwing the ball in, at Devontae Parker in the end zone and needing an incredible play from Justin Simmons, who, like I said, was playing with his hair on fire all game long. I mean, I got to give Coach Flores all the credit in the world. And again, it sounds weird to kind of have this be my biggest takeaway, but I mean, it's the second year of a rebuild. We can't really hinge all these drastic decisions on one loss. And, you know, you saw what the Dolphins tried to do to beat Vic Fangio's game plan because the Broncos, it was pretty obvious what they wanted to do. They wanted to run the ball, Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon, and they did that. Specifically, it was getting those outside runs. And what the Dolphins do on the defensive side of the ball, they punch you in the mouth early and get that early turnover. They try to put up points as early as possible because then they can kind of play to their strengths. I think Brian Flores, I know this, I, I think this entire Miami Dolphins coaching staff understands that the running defense is the biggest weakness. So, Josh, I want to talk to you a little bit about this because in the pregame show, I said one thing I want to see was the chemistry between Devontae Parker and Tua continue to grow. You know, that idea of even when everyone knows the ball is going to him, he can catch it just because accuracy of a pass, uh, Devontae Parker's hand and talent. But this really kind of caught me off guard, and I want to preface this by saying I played Jakeem Grant in a couple of FanDuel lineups because we saw that chemistry growing. But early in the game, the Dolphins had a chance to go up 15-0 three different times by targeting Jakeem Grant. Two overthrows by Tua, which it happens. He's a rookie. These guys are still trying to get that chemistry, the altitude. Who knows? And then another play, uh, Grant on a comeback. He had the sun, of it, sun in his eyes. And before, it was Preston Williams talking about, hi, hey, he's only catching three of his seven receptions. That usage really needs to be better. I mean, Jakeem Grant filled that kind of issue the Dolphins have yesterday. He caught two of six targets. And... When you're playing a team that can get to the quarterback like the Denver Broncos, you're getting stuck in those down and distance um, plays on third and second down that you just cannot overcome, and that's what we saw. 
Yeah, and you have to love the chemistry that Devontae Parker is building with Tua because we continue to see those jump balls, you know, those fade routes. And and Devontae Parker, you know, I think two have been called incomplete, but he's making some of the most incredible catches that we've seen out of the Dolphins receiver. So it's awesome to see that chemistry develop with Jakeem Grant. And it was interesting last week that Tua kind of tipped his hat to him and said, you know, he runs a lot of those brotherhood routes, which means he's running to kind of, you know, take some defenders or or take some of the coverage to his side to, to open things up for those other guys. So Jakeem Grant does a lot of that little grunt work, but I think this Dolphins receiving core is absolutely missing Preston Williams, mm-hmm. and we saw him and Tua develop a little bit of chemistry there. You would love to see, see him get more involved. It looks like Malcolm Perry right now going forward is going to be that slot wide receiver. For me, I think what I would like to see the most, and he only played eight offensive snaps, but Antonio Callaway, and we continue to hear his name. We know Dolphin Twitter, you know, they love him. They love Kirk Merritt. They want to see these guys, you know, they're we're all fans of this team. We want to see these our own players that, you know, we've rooted for in college or, you know, watched throughout you know, their NFL career, whatever it is. We want to see these guys get their opportunities. Antonio Callaway made a monster catch on a third down mm-hmm. that kept a drop moving. Third I would like 10. to see him. Yeah, Another I would love to see situation. him get more opportunities because we've seen him at an NFL level play that high. You know, he, he's Jakeem Grant. He has he has a similar, you know, he's, he's got speed, but he, he has that body. He can make some of those catches, and he can be that number two wide receiver that the Dolphins need now with Preston Williams out. So we'll see the way this offense evolves, but I don't, necessarily think that people will have a real argument when they're saying that they open things up and I think I even said earlier you know the Dolphins open things up a little bit more with Ryan Fitzpatrick based on the way this game was going I mean they had to start throwing the ball more we had to see Mm -hmm. more of those four wide receiver sets and early on in the game we did have to run more of that 12 personnel because let's be honest Denver's the the trenches that we were getting beat badly and that's where this game was won and lost so um this offense has to completely turn things around we know the Jets We'll talk about that in our next podcast. I mean, we know the Jets for as bad as they are. This is a division matchup. And Adam Gase, uh, you know, we've seen him before pull out some crazy wins. So this team has to bring it all together and and truly bounce back because this was a disappointing performance and it started on the offensive side of the football. Yeah, so what was the biggest difference for you from when uh, Tua was under center to that switch from Ryan Fitzpatrick where he kind of had a like getting the ball down the field. One thing that really stood out for me, and I'm interested to get your take, I mean, you have Mike Jacecki catching four or five receptions. I believe two of those were from Fitzpatrick. I could be wrong. But then, I mean, you look at Durham Smythe, Adam Shaheen, you, you rave about these guys. You know, they each have two touchdowns. They each can be part of the offense. Those are the type of receptions the Miami Dolphins really missed yesterday because instead of having those dump-off receptions where they can get five, six, seven yards, that's a sack of Tua. You know, there's a couple of flags in there. And the down and distance just never seemed to be in their favor. And what Ryan Fitzpatrick did, at least in my eyes, was just get the ball out quick, don't worry about too too much, spread the ball around, take what's given, and just kind of focus on the next play. Exactly. And I mean, people shouldn't be surprised by this. He's a 17 year vet. He's been with like every NFL team. And this is an offense that he pretty much, you know, helped create. So it should not be a surprise that Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, with that defense again, playing off a little bit, not so much trying to get that pressure that we saw early in the game. It was no surprise that he was able to get that offense moving, but you want to see that from Tua. You know, you want mm-hmm. to see him be able to tell uh, Savan Ahmed, you know, I saw Ryan Fitzpatrick point out, you know, the blitzer, and, you know, you got to pick that man up, and it, it created a good chunk of yardage. I mean, those are those things that are going to come with time, but that's why I think it was so valuable to keep Tua Tungvaloa into that game and give him that opportunity to go downfield. Again, I understand why Brian Flores did what he did, and again, this is just a testament to who he is. I mean, he's going to do things his way, and no one's going to tell him 
any different. And that really is the bottom line. We joke about the Stone Cold thing, but that is who Brian Flores is. And if he thinks in that moment Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to go downfield and give this offense a spark, which, I mean, again, we sat there and we watched it. We thought the Dolphins were going to go down there and tie this game. So as for much as I sit here and say, I think Tua Tagovailoa should have stayed in that game and got his opportunity. Uh, you see why Brian Flores made that chance. And that ultimately the Dolphins did have an opportunity there. Before we get into defense, I want to know, you know, your thoughts about this run game because they carried the ball 17 times total yesterday. That had some uh, Jakeem Grant trickery and Ryan Fitzpatrick runs for 56 yards. That's 3.3 yards per carry. We continue to talk about how important this offense, uh, this run game is to get the rest of the offense moving. But again, it had a lot to do with that D- Denver defense. I mean, Vic Fangio, we talked about a little bit on the last show. This guy is one of the best defensive minds in football. He just didn't have the credit because the Broncos were struggling, and they brought it together. What do you think about this run game moving forward, uh, and, and what do you hope to see? Because Matt Breida, again, he, he got two attempts for four yards, and that was with Salvin Ahmed out with a shoulder injury f- for a brief period of time. So I just don't know what's going on with this run game. You know— I, I think we, we can all agree the Dolphins need to upgrade the running back position. I think we can also agree for this season alone, I think if you feature someone like a Savan Ahmed, I think you are going to be perfectly fine. Part of my big issue with the Dolphins running game, especially on Sunday, was just kind of when they were calling the run. It was a lot of second and tens. It was late in the down and distance when the defense could kind of swarm in on that line of scrimmage and take advantage of what the Dolphins were trying to do. Um, Ahmed got popped a couple of times. It was just a very physical game. And, you know, The Dolphins' offensive line has issues. The Dolphins' running game has issues. The entire offense has issues. And I think that needs to be kind of highlighted here because I saw a lot of people after the game yesterday talking about, well, the Broncos, they still give up 34 points to the Falcons, a team that struggles quite a bit, 43 points to the Chiefs, 28 points to the Jets, even though they beat them. And, and, you know, you can kind of go on about these things. But that Broncos team kind of reminds me of the Dolphins team of last year where maybe the coaching, especially on the defensive side of the ball, is certainly there. And you need to just kind of make some plays and you can beat it. You know, you look at that Patriots game early in the year last year, the Cowboys, Baltimore, whatever you want it to be. The Dolphins had guys in the right positions or uh, doing the right things. They just didn't have the talent specifically there to make the big play, to, you know, beat the team deep. Whether it was Jakeem could have ran a little faster there and caught that ball early in the first quarter and made the score 14 nothing. Something like that could have certainly changed the game and opened the floodgates for the Miami Dolphins defense to really tee up on Drew Locke, who didn't have to do too much. But that just didn't wasn't how the game plan went. You know, the Dolphins didn't really have an offense that can hop on you that fast. That's why this team kind of loves I mean, not kind of any team would love to get turnovers early in the ball game. But you see that identity that how this is how the Dolphins are going to win. Yes, they can win them close, but they can really secure a game early in the first half and show why they're why they are one of the best first quarter football teams is because they can force opposing quarterbacks into situations where they're going to make mistakes, and they just couldn't get Drew Locke into a position where he had to do that yesterday. We'll get into the Dolphins' defense. That's just kind of my long-winded way of saying this Broncos' defense, the ideas are there, even though the talent might not completely be there. Yeah, and I think you said it best. This team reminds you a lot of this Brian Flores team. I mean, and we saw them go out there and use some of those same concepts offensively. We'll talk about the defense in a second. But um, before we head into the break, I mean, just to put one last stamp onto this, I think that we're going to see this offense come together. And I think, honestly, we might see it open up over the next few weeks. I think we're talking mm-hmm. about Antonio Callaway getting more opportunities. I think we'll see that. I think we just need to see his Everybody, you know, kind of just take a step back, and I think this truly was a reality check because a lot of us, and I'm sure, you know, for as much as these players say, they're not thinking playoffs. I mean, it's hard not to think playoffs when you're on a freaking five-game win streak. So this game might be better long-term than, you know, it seems right now. 
Yeah, and, and everyone's adults here. I mean, everybody goes to work and has some bad days. And, and, you know, you're lying to yourself if that's not the case. And, you know, it's I actually am excited for his views to a, as such an adult where this benching isn't going to define you. You're going to learn from it. You're going to work from it and move on and grow. And, and Tua and Fitzpatrick both kind of reacted that way after the game yesterday where Fitzpatrick said him and Tua were talking a lot about what could have and should have been done. Uh, Fitzpatrick... Tua said he's gonna. He understands it that he has to play better, and and that's kind of a refreshing thing because I'm hearing everybody today talk about Carson Wentz and how Doug Marone doesn't ha- won't bench him for some reason, and how that's kind of you know getting in Wentz's head to the sense of you have to be perfect all the time. You know, you have if you want to be on the football field, you need to be on your game. Otherwise, someone else can come in and be that spark, which is okay. And, and you know he's gonna come back out there being Tua and play again and it's not going to define his season or his career so it's just refreshing for Flores to see that kind of stuff it is frustrating I mean the Texans won uh you know it was weird room for the Patriots yesterday but the Texans won the Dolphins lost puts a little bit of a damper on the AFC East race I'm certainly not going to say it's over because you know you play the games but Josh uh, let, let's go into the break we'll talk about the defense uh, on what was you know we'll say it a disappointing day for the Miami Dolphins on Sunday today's episode is brought to you by cars.com With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. I want to repeat what I said at the top where, you know, this is the first time this team's lost in roughly two months. It's frustrating. It's disappointing. But there was a lot of good things to take away from this where I'm kind of getting that mood of it's the second year of a rebuild. We're still in playoff contention. I'm not going to jump ship. I, I saw a lot of positives from this team that in years I'm confident that this coaching staff is going to have a roster prepared and to have the opportunity to go west, go into opposing stadiums and win football games. And that's legitimately all you can ask for. And we got to start with the hero of the game, and that's Andrew Van Ginkle. I mean, this guy, he had two bonehead penalties, I think, and then came back. He gave the Dolphins a shot by forcing a fumble at like the half-inch yard line. Melvin Gordon coughed it up, and <laughs> the refs! The refs called it a touchdown like when the ball was going the other way, which was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. But outside of that, Josh, what did you think of Andrew Van Ginkle's performance to really give the Dolphins a shot there at the end? Yeah, it was it was really impressive, and I think it's funny because did those refs have money on Denver? Because it sure seemed like they were all rooting for Denver from the way it sounded. You know what I think it was? I think it was after they trampled uh, one of the refs on the oh, Xavier yeah. Howard intercept. Yeah. I think they were a little ticked off that they lost one of their own guys. They thought it was targeting or something and decided, you know what, Dolphins, we're going to, you know, we're, we remember that. We remember what you did to one of our own. Dude, that, that ref got demolished. But um, based on AVG, I mean, everything we've seen from this year is he's just, you know, continuing to get better. And that's what's so exciting about him. He was asked after the game, you know, what happened on that play, that impressive fumble. You mentioned those two boneheaded plays uh, or penalties before that. I don't think one was really a penalty, but he was definitely uh, uh, guilty of that other one. But he said, I was off the edge and I came back. I saw there were a couple guys on him. I saw he was going to score. I did everything I could to get the ball out and give us a chance. And I mean, uh, that play, you know, almost turned this game. And those are those plays that you just continue to see from the Dolphins. You know, we're all sitting there watching these guys try to strip the ball. And we're like, what are you doing? Just 
get him down. Get, and then AVG just comes in and makes this unbelievable play to give the offense life. Um, it, it didn't work out this time, but at some point, you know, it is going to. And you just love to see AVG just continue to get better week in and week out because he's truly becoming, you know, what Vince Beagle was last year. And then and then some, you know, that, that to me is the type of player he can be. You know, Vince Beagle was awesome off the edge. We all love him. We all would love to have seen him out here this season. Mm-hmm. But AVG's kind of, you know, him taken to the next level and you know he's not done becoming the player that he can potentially be and it, it you know for for all the praise we're going to give to guys here it is worth noting that th- this defense clearly has ways to go that rushing attack by the denver broncos philip Lindsay, 16 carries for 82 yards melvin gordon 15 carries for 84 yards that is that is unacceptable, but but I think the Dolphins understand that. I think we understand it'd be better if they had a Christian Wilkins, a, a Devon Godshaw, the, a Vince Beagle. These guys would certainly help. And you got to kind of put it into perspective, though, where the Broncos ran 63 plays of, of total offense. And it goes back to what we've been kind of saying all year, the, the fact that point, or yards don't equal points. To hold the Broncos to only 20 points there, despite getting ran into oblivion, uh, and and really struggling at times, you, you kind of got to be okay with it and understand, hey, if the Dolphins are going to win, it's going to be, you know, you got to get up on teams early. You can't let other teams really lean on the running game because it can hurt the Dolphins. And it's something that we've seen earlier in this season. I think that's what's so sad, and we didn't really see the quarterback. We, you know, Drew Locke doesn't pose that same threat as a, a Cam Newton or a Josh Allen, but we just got gashed, and it almost seemed like the Dolphins just had no answer for it, and we definitely missed a Christian Wilkins. You definitely would have liked to see more of those guys up front do a better job of setting the edge, but even when the Dolphins tried to bring pressure, it just seemed like uh, you know, Denver's running game, their running backs were just so patient, just waited for those holes, and then they just went right through them. And, I mean, Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon, we knew how good of a tandem they were coming into this. It just really, you know, the Dolphins had no answer for that. And it was really the difference in this game. I mean, they had two touchdowns, like you said, 189 yards on 33 total carries. Um, but let's move into the passing game because Drew Locke going into this, we weren't even sure who was going to be the starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. He completed 18 to 30 passes for 270 yards one interception. We know Xavier Howard got a sixth interception. We got to give him a shout out because uh, I think he's now tied for first and he's just playing unbelievable right now. Mm-hmm. But even in the passing game, I mean, the Dolphins were getting gashed a little bit and giving up those big plays. Again, it was that bend, don't break mentality, which at the end of the day, points, wins is all these guys truly care about. But you need to see them buckle down. And it was it was really tough to see against the offense that a lot of us thought we were going to go out there and manhandle. Exactly. And that's so important to keep in mind, too, that. These numbers could look totally different, and, and you know, you kind of talk about those what-if plays, and that's kind of an issue the Dolphins have had for years. I mean, there was a third and 13 where Drew Locke ran for 14 yards. There were a couple of big third-down conversions the Stanford Broncos team had where the Dolphins just straight-up got beat, and, and sometimes it just kind of is what it is. The, the defense isn't going to be able to get that stop every time. You, you know something's missing, and you think about the fact that the Dolphins have so much in cap space and, and so many draft picks. You, you get excited that, hey— Sometimes, you know, teams are going to try to run on us and, and our defense is going to be strong enough, but that's just clearly where they, they aren't there just yet. I think it's worth noting. I think Nick Needham had another strong performance. I thought uh, Brandon Jones is going to be awesome. He is the fastest guy in the football field. You know, you talk about his block he had last week uh, on, on, on the uh, Lawson fumble recovery for a touchdown, but this guy is a rocket and he reminds me so much of Rashad Jones. I don't know if it's just because Jones has his last name or what, but I mean, this guy has been awesome as a third round pick for the Dolphins and and he's one of those guys you're going to kind of be interested in to see how his role developed because I think Bobby McCain did a great job as a safety net. Eric Rowe led the team with 10 tackles. 
I think the key issue for the Dolphins here, though, was the trenches. You saw no sacks. The pressure wasn't really there. The Dolphins really struggled to kind of get into the backfield and make the Broncos hear those footsteps. And that really was the difference in this game. I mean, they were unable to get that pressure up front like we've seen weeks past. And it was just, again, in the trenches. Offensively, the game was lost in the trenches. Defensively, this game was lost in the trenches. But I think what's so so exciting, you mentioned uh, Brandon Jones. I mean, you can talk about the Zach Sealers, Nick Needham. You can go down this entire list of these defensive players. And just like the offense, you know, this is a young group. This is year two of this rebuild. I mean, mm-hmm. Brian Flores is just getting started, and that's what's so exciting. We saw some of those looks that they tried to throw up. Drew Locke, there was one where I think everyone was on the line of scrimmage. Uh, I mean, you're just going to continue to see this defense evolve. And, you know, they have draft picks. They have money next year. Everyone just needs to relax. And I think that's something that we didn't even really mention at the beginning of the show. But everybody just needs to take a step back. We were never right. going to go 4-0 in this stretch. And I hate to spitball away from the defense. But we were never going 4-0 go in this Broncos. stretch. You know, you know, we beat the Chargers. And, and we, we we lost this game. And now we got the Jets and we got the Bengals. If they go 3-1 and in that stretch, I mean, that is they are in very good position. And we all hate to see what happened to Joe Burrow. Our thoughts and prayers go out to him. We hope he has a full recovery. But the the way these Dolphins are playing, I think if they can get back on track here, they still have every bit of a chance to make it into the postseason, to have a chance at this division there in Week 17. And how awesome is that again in Week two or Year Two of a Brian Flores rebuild? Again, everyone just take a step back, relax. I mean, you see it on Twitter. People are ready to call to a bus. They're ready to move on. People are taking victory laps because Justin Herbert finally won a game. It's freaking ridiculous. Everybody just needs to calm down. Um, again, young team. And they're headed in the right direction, and that's more than you can say about Dolphins teams of the past. Yeah, and, you know, it is important to note that that it is not, it does not feel good to lose. But, I mean, every team is going to struggle at times, especially being so young. And it it's, seems kind of unfair that we can take this, you know, quote-unquote take. Uh, because, you know, how exciting this year has been. We've been, you know, a little cocky at times. But it is important to take that step back and understand that, hey, we can have as much fun as possible on the wins because that's what football is all about. It's enjoyable. But I'm not ready. To, I'm not going to jump off the boat for anything this team did yesterday because that that blueprint is still there for winning football, whether it's, you know, Brian Flores making a switch. It, and it's not even going to be quarterback in the future. It could be as simple as, hey, Noah Igbenogany needs to sit a couple games, something like that, uh, just to kind of learn some more, to grow some more. It's these different type of moves that shows that Brian Flores belongs at the blueprints there, and the talent's going to catch up. The Dolphins, the way they're constructed right now, I think they can win any football game, but that doesn't mean there are football games that they have no chance in losing. I mean, that gap in talent still is there, and something I want to keep in the back of my head, and, you know, I get excited at the fact of, hey, if we can get a top-tier guy in the trenches with a first-round pick, maybe we sign someone like a um, guy on the Bears, number 11. Allen Robinson? Allen Robinson. You sign him in free agency. You think about the pieces that the Dolphins can get where, you know, you can go and face a Broncos team that plays perfect on special teams. They make barely any errors throughout the game. That uh, They play their game plan to... Uh, they execute their game plan to perfection, but that roster talent is just so much better that the Dolphins can still pull out a win, even though they shouldn't. They didn't deserve to win yesterday. They are outplayed. They're going to take their lumps. And, and based on what we've seen out of these last two years, I think this is something they're going to learn from. And it shouldn't be a surprise. Again, it's the any given Sunday mentality. The Dolphins mm-hmm. were due to lose. I mean, it sucks that it happened. It sucked the way it happened. You know, they went out there and they laid an egg. We would have wanted to see more. Um, and you're going to see more. We hope to see more moving forward. But, um, you know, I think it's how they respond to this stuff. And you're right, you don't jump off now. You know, this team is still 
prime. They're still ahead of schedule to what we ever expected. But three and two it, on the road, still. I mean, there was an Adam Gase when they made the playoffs. Sorry to cut you off in 2016. I think they won one game on the road that year. I mean, the idea of, of you know being a little, I get that, being a little disappointed. I get that, but panic and concern for both the short term and the long term. I, I think there's no need to have any any of those bad thoughts in your head. Yeah, and again, I mean, we can see the glaring needs. We can see that they have trouble stopping the run. I mean, that's as clear as day. And they need to get two of weapons because, I mean, everyone wanted to fault to a heading into the draft and saying, you know, he was surrounded by all these first-round picks and all these talented wide receivers. Well, now what does he have? He has Devontae Parker. You know, he had Preston Williams. He's got Jakeem Grant. I mean, how many of these guys, and we love Jakeem Grant. You know, we all want to see him ascend into the player that we believe he can. We like these other pieces, these Callaways. But how many of these guys will be playing on other They're teams' rafters? Yeah, and we see it. We see the numbers, the next-gen stats, how little separation these receivers are getting. Devontae Parker can make it work, but some of these other guys can't. So the targets for, you know, everyone wanted to default to it for having all those good receivers that could create separation. He just doesn't have that right now. We might not see this explosive offense, the one that we truly wanted to see, until next year. And I think that might have been this entire, you know, the vision this team had. They fixed it, or they thought they fixed the trenches. And, I mean, by all I accounts— I still think they have. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I, I, by all accounts, we're with the offensive line. Um and then next year they're going to go after speed. They're going to they're going to go out there and they're going to get the running back that everybody wants. They're going to get him a wide receiver or two in the way that the Broncos did. You know, Drew Locke this year with Jerry Judy and Kevin Hamler. They're going to get a bunch of talented players on offense. We're still just one year off, but to see them go out there and to see him make these plays and again win three. He's three and one. You know, to see him win these games with. Malcolm Perry and with Jakeem Grant again no fault to them but it's just not the same as what he had in college and again you can't sit here and make we're not sitting here making excuses again two has to play better the offense as a whole has to play better but these are just some things to think about and something that's obviously going to change moving forward for the Miami Dolphins you know and at the end of the day six and four three and two on the road it's so great to see that and the blueprint is certainly there in the hut the graphics are out there baby you love (laughs) it this is both, Both the Ravens, Ravens and never... the uh, Dolphins sitting there in the hunt. It's, it's a sight to see. Josh, uh, bef- let's wrap it up with this. You know, you see the Ravens at 6-4. and four, The Titans are at 7-3. and three, uh, The Raiders are at 7-3. That matchup all of a sudden might be flexed to a Sunday nighter. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun in a couple weeks. Where, what do you see as that for, not, not specifically the Dolphins, what do you think your record has to be to reach the playoffs in the AFC this year as that 6th or even 7th wildcard spot? I mean, you got to be 9-7, and seven, right? And that's, that's what I'm thinking, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's probably even getting – you might be getting lucky with that. So I think those nine wins, that's kind of what you're hitting at. And, again, six and four, they got, what, six games to go? If, if you're thinking that they got to win three of the next six games, I mean, you have to like the Dolphins' odds, especially when you're going against the Jets, when you're that going against the Bengals. But we're, yeah, but we're not going to sit here. We're not going to count our chickens before they're hatched because I think that's what we did last week. And, and now I'm sitting here with Yoke on my face. So uh, – <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's very achievable, and it's just awesome to finally be in the hunt and just to see again this young these young pieces come together. But with young and inexperience, is going to come these mistakes, and it's how they bounce back that ultimately matters most. That, that's a hundred percent. That's the truth of the matter, and I'm excited. I mean, if you want a get right game, you go up to New York and you show the Jets that you're still a few years away from even being on you the same. You get gays fired. You get gays fired, right? There's no, you, you, get, you get them a new. Con- you make them play so bad that they realize the roster is so bad they give them a big long contract. Something I don't know. I'll, I'll figure it It'll out work. before yeah. our preview show. We'll make it work. <laughs> uh, usually we record our preview shows on Thursdays, being Thanksgiving this week. We'll figure it out. Uh, obviously, we tweet out every show. And if you're subscribed to us, you'll probably get a notification. I want to let you guys know that this is the last week for a Solomon Kinley jersey giveaway. Hopefully, our mountain of a man is back on the field next week. I know he's dealing with a foot injury. So if you want 
get an opportunity to win a freestyle men Kenley jersey. This is all you have to do for everyone who's already done done it. You only got one more week, and you won't have to listen to us talk about this anymore. Uh, hit that subscribe button. Leave a five-star review. Actually, leave any review. We've been kind of taking them all in. Uh, let us know what you think of the show. Send that to us on Twitter, at JMendel94, at Houts, and bang, just like that. Hopefully, next Monday, when we're doing this show, we'll be announcing the winner of the Kinley jersey after the Dolphins blow out the Jets 48 to, eh, we'll give them seven. Sounds good to me. Let's do a cook, baby. <laughs> Spread and that offense open and let him cook, please. That's where I'm screaming. Thank you guys so much for listening. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Take some time off for yourselves. Uh, get a much-needed breather. And most importantly, fins up. Fins up, Dolphin family. Enjoy the holidays. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami